Hello and welcome to Cape Fighting. It's your main man, Andy Gillard here. Hope everyone is keeping well right now. Hi everybody, Matt Guy here. It's Christmas again. Well, no, because we always get horrible rainy weather, not white Christmas, but uh, we are recording on a snowy evening and it is freezing. And if only you could see us, you'd think that we were in minus 20 degrees. Hello. Konnichiwa. It is, it is actually zero degrees with the little thing saying snow showers for the, uh, for the initiative. Well, is it? Yeah, it's snow showers, which I've never seen that graphic before on the old Windows 11 in the corner. Yeah, it's it's an interesting time, which again brings up the thing of Believe Nothing, the ITV show that no one ever watched with Rick Mail, where they did a whole Watergate scandal about time and why it feels like December and March is because it is, because there was, they've been stealing time from us all these years. Just going for it. It's actually it's got to be out there somewhere, even if it's oh, not on ITVX. It's like Britbox, Britbox, or something like that. Do you reckon? It's good. It wasn't offensive, so I can't imagine it being like struck off forever. But at the same time, you can't get Phoenix Nights legally in this country either. So, can you not? No, it's not I'm anywhere. Surprised. I mean, to be fair, it was offensive shit. But I am surprised that. Peter K has fallen afoul of, of the censors because he does seem to be everybody's favourite for some bizarre reason. But it's another story for another day. <laughs> um, news. Obviously, by the time this goes out, everyone will know what's happened in the Oscars, but we're recording from the past. So by the time this drops, like it, it won't be out of date, but we won't be talking about the biggest story in the world. But... Uh, I'm sure we'll talk about that on the next podcast and we can moan or celebrate whoever wins and loses. Um, but I think we should start off in a galaxy far, far away. So Kevin Feige, Patty Jenkins' Star Wars films have now officially been cancelled. Jenkins' Rogue Squadron was due out in December this year. It was officially pulled from the slate three months ago, but now they've completely confirmed that's dead. Patty Jenkins is gone. Kevin Feige's time with Star Wars is a little bit unusual because obviously Feige is a producer. He's not really a creative as such. Um, and when you've got like Uber producer Kathleen Kennedy over Star Wars, I don't really understand what his role was going to be, but ultimately that's irrelevant because he's gone. Um, one bit of news the other way is Taika Waititi's film is still going ahead and he's likely to write, direct and star in this. But Star Wars films have got a bit of a record for getting people all hopped up on a new film and then pulling the plug and then we never see it after it's spent a couple of years in development hell. That just seems to be the way of Star Wars. Um, other than like the Dave Filoni TV side of Star Wars, the film... So the the film section seems to be in a bit of a state of flux. Matt, should we be worried about this? Mm, I'm not sure, really. Though after the news about kind of DC and Marvel trying to set their stalls with you know single track visions and stuff like that, it does kind of beg the question: Why Star Wars are all of a sudden chopping and changing so much so quickly? I think the Rogue Squadron thing is a bit of a shitter, really, because there's a really interesting story that could be told there. And have we really had... We've had, like, great, like, 
dogfight scenes, but it would be nice to have that world explained a little bit more. And then the game, Rogue Squadron itself, um, recently. Sure, you played it, didn't you, Andy? I think you probably would have died of visual <laughs> death yeah, if you'd have played it. Yeah. Um, and it would, you know, and I know it sounds silly, but with Top Gun Maverick being the acid test for if people want to see films about fly, flying, fly things. Um, it would have been really interesting to have that, but I think having someone that's had their hands over the Mandalorian makes sense anyway, in regards to having, um, you know, if they're going to keep one director in front of, in front of and behind the camera, I think it makes sense, I guess. Hmm. Stu, um, thoughts on this? I mean, like Feige specifically, um, what was his role actually going to be in this world? Because he's not a director, so why would you bring in a producer when you've got the producer already there? It's a bit of an odd one, don't you think? It always seemed to me like it was just like a like a town planner, like a like a, a world builder. Maybe that mm-hmm. that that was what well. That's what he's done over there for the last 15 years. So that's clearly one thing that he's good at. And that's what it seemed to be. I mean, they're not going to go down tri- more Star Wars trilogies with the same people, are they? It's going to be completely changed and refreshed and whatever. So it makes sense just for a continuity look perspective, I suppose, to have someone who's done that before. But then again... Like Matt just said, Dave Filoni done it perfectly well with the TV side, so you might as well just stick with it. Mm. And that episode of Mandalorian today, the the last one that you watched when you listen to this, you couldn't get more classic Star Wars than that. I haven't seen it yet. I um, I was watching it after we've recorded. I think is the plan. Yeah, puppet, proper puppets, incredible effects, really for what what it is. And stupid nonsense as well at the same time. All 47 minutes, that's all you need. And it works perfectly. Really enjoyed the opener. Like season three opener, I thought was exceptional as well. So, yeah, it's been a good start to the season. Um, Taika Waititi, uh, do you want to see a Taika Waititi Star Wars film, Stu? Well, I do. Before <laughs> his last frame onto the big screen, I would have said yes. <laughs> But you've got to think that that was just a blip. Um, and he was kind of strung up with what was the uh, what he was allowed to do with that film. But, mm. yeah, it, if he's allowed to do it properly and the parameters ain't that strict, which they don't seem to be anymore um, with Star Wars, then, yeah, give it a go. Why not? It's, it's always been like that. Eh? We've always had weird, quirky stuff as well as the serious mm. and the, the big so. I mean, uh, the fact that he, he might, he's, he's doing everything but sing the theme tune in a kind of... is mm. <laughs> a bit concerning because he's not exactly the most normal person in the world, is he? And uh, obviously Star Wars is Star Wars, but it could go a bit too far. Yeah. But yeah. then again, you'd think that's why you got Kevin Feige around doing mm. Kevin Feige things. Yeah. Matt, is the sheen off a little bit, do you think, with Waititi? Is he entering the the Ryan Reynolds zone? that We've seen him so much that it's a bit tiresome at the moment. Maybe, but 
especially around some of like the humor <clears throat> that the Thor that was kind of some of the complaints about the, the Thor movies. Star Wars, like it'll lump it, is filled with shit humor. And I think actually <laughs> that world would, be, would go hand in hand. Like watching the original trilogy back, some of like the absolute crap lines from from C3PO and some of the just the really shit humor that actually doesn't make you laugh <laughs> makes him a shoe in for to to, to 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 be a part of these <laughs> this franchise so i don't think it's actually as strange as it as it makes out and i don't think it would be too dissimilar to some of the stuff that we've already had in this universe hmm. well back on planet earth um this time in New York City, we've got the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem trailer, which has been released in the last week. Um, the, the list of stars in this film is incredible. Master Splinter is Jackie Chan. We've got four actual teenagers playing the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles for a change. There's a whole host of friends and foes. We've got Paul Rudd, Giancarlo Esposito, Rose Byrne, Seth Rogen, and our good friend John Cena. What did we think of the trailer, first and foremost, Stu? Incredible, absolutely incredible! And as soon as it came up, and it said, "What is it? Permanent teenager?" Said <laughs> "Yes, there you are, straight away. We know that it's going to be, it's going to be decent. It's not going to be Michael Bay fight, mm. and it looks whatever they've done to it, it looks perfect." They've and put that Spider Verse filter over it, haven't they? It's, it's excellent. It's a mix of a mixture of the Spider Verse filter and something else, and I couldn't put my finger on it what it, exactly what it is, but it doesn't really matter because you look at any kind of cell of that of that film now, and you know what that the, what that film is straight away, mm. and it, and it's amazing how the, the, you can still do this in twenty twenty three with animation or what however they're doing it, but yeah, obviously having a proper turtles film back, that I mean, that the turtles game. End of last year was superb. Mm, um, yeah, st- still on Game Pass as well. Go and play it on the Xbox people. Um, but yeah, one of the rare occasions where I watched the entire trailer multiple times, mainly because it's, it's turtles. <laughs> you you can't be spoiled on that, can you? So, but yeah, perfect. I can't wait. Day one. Yeah, I completely agree. Matt, is this one tickling your pickle? No, not really. You had, to be, <laughs> you had to be there, I think, with this. Uh, it's got to be part of your child, and it just wasn't with mine. Like it looks great, and I really like the animation style that I saw in the trailer. But it just, it, it just did nothing for me, really. Like I won't, I won't go and watch it when it comes out. I haven't played the games. I haven't seen the, like I just don't. It's just not my world at all. But for those that enjoy it, I can see with the cast and the way it looks and some of the humor in it. it why wouldn't you be absolutely over the moon with it if? if you're into that uh, franchise, but uh, it won't be one that troubles my uh, schedule, but I'm excited for those people that will enjoy it. I think, cause it, I think it will be probably be excellent. Yeah. It looks like they've treated the source material with the reverence that it deserves, I think. So yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for this one. I think it looks fantastic. As a fan who was there way back when at the very beginning, it's my kind of thing. Uh, now moving closer to home, actually in the UK this time, we've had the Ted Lasso trailer. It doesn't really give much away. just shows clips of everyone, mostly smiling and a few stern looks. All played out to the Rolling Stones, can't always get what you want. 
Jason Sudeikis is quoted as saying, season three is the end of this story that we wanted to tell, that we were hoping to tell, that we loved to tell. He's not saying it's the end of the show, but also I feel like a few of the names in this now, like Hollywood's beckoning for, for some of them, like Goldstein, he's obviously going to be Hercules in the MCU. Sudeikis is primarily known as a, a film actor. It's going to be difficult for them to get back year on year. So if season three is the end and it's the end of the story that they always planned, would you be happy with that? Or do you think, no, I want 10 seasons of this? What do you think, Matt? Um, no, I you know, genuinely would be, would be pleased and almost encourage them to kind of cut ties now. You know, leave us, leave us wanting and just give us a great story and ending. Like, we don't have to have a constant cycle of... Um, of this and, and and what I think helps with that in a way is because it's it's an Apple TV product isn't it um, mm-hmm. and the fact that nobody in their right mind pays for Apple TV surely there's got to be about five people that pay for it <laughs> so because it's not so as easily accessible unless you have w- means and ways like the, the one thing I was saying this the other day about things like Game Pass and Netflix like the UI makes it for me so if i've got something that i can access via a fire stick or it's on netflix i'm always going to access it on netflix because the ui of getting to it and everything else is just a better experience than doing it on a fire stick or whatever but the fact that like you can't it's just not the same about binging this all in one go on a streaming platform like that it's good. I don't think there's like overexposure to it. You're constantly not seeing it on your adverts all the time when you f- go onto a streaming platform and you're not seeing it constantly thrust at you. There's no fatigue with it either. I just think wrapping this up in a third series, how it was meant to be, series two was great. We get to tell the story that they wanted. It's not cheapened by it being dragged out for the sake of content. I think it'll be great. I'm really looking forward to it. And, um, I'm, it would be nice to just tie it off the way that they wanted to without it being overexposed, I think. Mm. Stu, are you in agreement or do you think there's there's still legs in the show? Yeah, I mean, it's nice that he's, they've had a chance to wrap it up as intended, but it doesn't stop them, which I think the way they're going to go afterwards, you'll have like a film every two years mm. rather than a series for that reason that you're not going to get them back to be able to have three, four hours worth of content every year where it makes more sense to do, get an 80, 90 minute feature on Apple TV plus originals, put it on there every couple of years. I can see it going that way just for the reasons that we just said that he's got the story that he wanted to tell. It's amazingly there were still people last year finding it for the first time, mm. even though the, the obviously in the football world everyone loves it, but on the wider wider population, it is stranded on that that piece of shit that is Apple TV Plus, and the UI does matter. And I think I've I paid for it once by mistake, so I forgot to cancel, and that was my own fault. <laughs> but we had. Six months, two lots of six month free passes through PS5, um, which you have to create an Apple account for and go through the whole rigmarole of signing everything up to iTunes and all that stuff. When no, just sign up, 
pay through Google Pay like everything else, but no, you couldn't. You had to create the whole Apple nonsense of it all. I think it's just too much hassle. <laughs> and mm. for the stuff on there, other than um, C, which was genuinely good uh, with uh, Momoa, and Severance, which is, again, stranded on, on that platform and no one talks about it, even though it was incredible. Um, and thankfully, that's got a second season as well. There's a few good things on there, but no, it's too much of a hassle to go and sign up to do it, even mm. if you get a, a free trial. Yeah. But, yeah, just end the story and then let's see after that. I, I don't think they'll do another series anyway. But yeah, I wouldn't. Uh, at that point, you get into like Saved by the Bell, the new class A, where you just, oh, a few <laughs> people are hanging around for the for old soul's sake and then it's not the same. Mm. I feel like there'll be that temptation that it'll end with Jason Sudeikis moving back to America to sort out his family life. You'll get the redemption of Nate, who will then be the manager of, of Richmond. But do you really want to carry on with, you know, the B team? And no disrespect to Nick Mohammed, he's been fantastic, but he's not Ted Lasso. And in a show called Ted Lasso, that's going to be a bit of a drawback. So, mm. yeah, I, I kind of want them to finish at season three. They've given us a great story. And if this is half as good as the first two seasons, it's going to be excellent. So that's all that matters. Finally, a bit of an odd one, really. Stranger Things is hitting the stage. Uh, there's already a Stranger Things experience in London uh, where they've recreated Hawkins, but you can go and play arcade games in an 80s-style arcade, whatever they call it, game palace or whatever it is. Uh, <laughs> you can get ice cream at the Two Scoops. You can sit in Joy's house. Like it, it lets you enter the world, but it's not quite the same as seeing it on stage uh, there's not really a lot known about it obviously at this stage other than it's going to be set in the late 50s i believe uh, they do mention that hoppers in it joy maldonado henry creel who is otherwise known as vecna so it's going to have some of the characters that we know but obviously it's going to be set back when they were much younger I've signed up to the mailing list already because I really want to know what's going to happen and prices and everything. And if it's reasonable, I think I'll be going to see it. Uh, Matt, is this something you're interested in? Yeah, it, it really is. But it, I just got the feeling I'll be priced out of it, to be honest. Like, it's not the kind of thing that they'll, like, tour. And it won't mm. make it to the Grand Theatre in Wolverhampton, I don't think. <laughs> um, but if, like, a someone like an Everyman Cinema or something like that was to, you know, show it, um, I'd definitely go and watch the film of the stage version of it. Do you know what I mean? If they were to yeah. do that. Um, because, yeah, I mean, they struck gold, really, with the last uh, series of Stranger Things. And before it kind of runs its course um, and, you know, you can't move for... I mean, in my set wardrobe, in my wardrobe alone, I think I've got five different versions of, like, the Hellfire Club T-shirt and, like... <laughs> Long sleeve, short sleeve, black T-shirt, white T-shirt, a hoodie and everything. You know, before the next series comes along and it just overwhelms society. It'd be nice to experience a different part of the story, I think. Um, but yeah, I mean, when it comes to stuff like that, I, I think I'd just be priced out of going down there, staying over, watching it. Mm. Um, it's just not something I can commit to, really. But I, I think it's something interesting. I'd like to see it in some form. 
Mm, that is the worry with anything on the West End, really, is that they might do reasonable prices, but then if it's a limited run, people are going to want to see it. They'll be charging £200 a ticket, you know, for the shit seats. So that is the worry. Hopefully they don't, because obviously, this, as you said, this seems to have captured everybody. So why would you not want to get as many people through the door as possible? Stu? How are you feeling about this? Is, is I don't know. Have you got much of a love of live theatre? Is this interesting to you at all? Considering that I, I spent a lot of time at school doing drama and theatre and that kind of stuff, now <laughs> um, <laughs> it's just not my world. Is it? It's too. I say too pompous. It's not the word. It's. I think that's probably what it is. It's just too expensive for my stuff. I mean, and this is. Someone who spends like seven hundred quid on a whole season ticket every year, and as well as all the other stuff that goes with that. But that's my thing. I ain't gonna. I'm not signing up for it because I know I'm not going to go. Mm. I mean, the fact that it's in London anyway is a big no-no because that place is a shithole, and it's yeah. <laughs> so you're automatically putting two hundred quid on top of before you even start. Realistically, getting there, staying there. Mm. So you're gonna, you're talking the best part of half a grand to go and watch this. I mean, obviously, it's going to be good, but uh, by the people who are making it, it's, it's yeah. it'll be amazing. And for the people who get to see it, superb. But I just know I'm not going to, so I'm not even entertaining the, the possibility of it happening. Really, um, <laughs> seeing it like the, like the Hamilton thing, I know, I know I'm more than likely not going to see Hamilton, and well, maybe at some point, but not with that cast. So watching it on. Disney Plus, like we did last year or the year before, whatever it was, that was fine. It was fine for me. I know other people. It's not. It's not the same. But it works. And if the, if the, that's what happens with it, and they put it out on Netflix eventually in, a, in two or three years' time as an option, then yeah, I'll watch it. But I ain't gonna spend five hundred, six hundred quid to go and experience this. No, no way. That's fair enough. Right, okay, that's the news. Oh, sorry, sure, yeah. It all, it's not the news because earlier on today, our friend Melissa, well, hopeful friend, if she wants to come on, Melissa Benoist announced that she's oh, going yeah. to be playing Teela in the uh, Masters of the Universe Revolution series on Netflix. Oh, very good. I enjoyed the, the reboot of Masters of the Universe. Obviously, it's Kevin Smith, so I was already a little bit biased towards it, but yeah, I'm oh, brilliant. It does annoy me that she doesn't pronounce her own name properly, though. <laughs> because it's Benoit, not Benoist. Yeah. But she does pronounce it Benoist. So, yeah. yeah All the time. Does annoy me that does. <laughs> uh, that's the news, anyway. Uh, Matthew, have we had any questioners, questioners, questions from our listeners? We have. We've had a few. We've had a few, to be fair. So, uh, starting with Matt Cunnington, uh, Lego. What's the last Lego set you made or assisted with? Uh, it's Lego Ninjago. Ninjago? Is that Ninjago. right? Ninjago. You can tell how often I uh, use Lego. Uh, Dragons with the kids for me, and uh, thanks for beating Spurs. So, Lego, what's um, what's the last Lego you uh, got your hands all over, uh, Stu? Um... If you if you're talking Lego, Lego, I think it's probably a, it might it's probably a fire station years ago. I mean that that you, know, you that, got like a Molyneux, haven't you? Yeah, the little Molyneux thing that's behind me over there, and the uh, the wolf logo. But that's not Lego. That's some kind of other brick based product that's licensed. 
by the club. Um, but yeah, it's if I if I start going down the Lego route. Oh, Lego Dimensions. There you are. The game. Okay. You build mm. the port. You build the portal as you play the game. Mm. Super. It's good. That it's good fun. Um, I can probably get hold of it. I don't want to it for the camera. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this, this is an audio uh, medium. That's very um, oh, Stargate. Stargate, yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, that's what they, you put them on there, then they go, then you go through the uh, through the portal. Obviously, not in, in reality. Um, yeah, if I started going down Lego, it'd be, it might as well just start selling body parts because... Game over, in it? Yeah, so there's, there's, there's too much surface to cover in this stuff. Especially Batmobiles and tumblers and all that kind of stuff. It's just end of the yeah, world. Behind me. Well, yeah. I watched that um, the Toys That Made Us episode on Lego not that long ago, and God, that was a story. Like, a, I, there's so much more to that story than I realised. Um, and then me and Sam went to the Bullring Lego shop the other, mm -hmm. uh, like a few weeks ago, and fuck me, is it expensive? Yeah. And I was just like, I thought, oh, I might pick myself up a little something, and like the, <laughs> the Grogu Lego set was like eighty quid, and I was like, nah. I mm. um, yeah. What about you, Andy? What was the last uh, Lego you got well, your filthy mitts on? The, I've got this one ready to be built. Tell Optimus our uh, listeners what that is. Yeah. Optimus, so Prime. Optimus Prime. I had it for Christmas. I had last week off to do it, and then I ended up being so busy I didn't get a chance to get into it. So that was quite frustrating. But I'm I've got to have a week off to build that at some point. Last year I built the new. Batmobile and also the tumbler I had for my birthday as well. And the previous Christmas I had um Ecto One, the Ghostbusters, which was a fantastic build. Like a really fun build that I think if if you ever wanted like just sit and play with Lego, that would be the one to do, I think. Yeah, I'm not really uh I haven't really ever bought a set. I bought Sam the Friends Coffee Shop one a few years ago and she oh, did yeah. it in like a day and but it looked great to be fair. And he's like so intricate the little details that you get with it. Um really surprising. But yeah, I've got I've got I think I've said it before. I've got a lot of the um is it Meccano or the other one of the Gears of Gears of War stuff. They did loads. I've got like the helicopter of that and the warthog. Um that was really fun to make actually to be fair. So mm. like I do get it. There is enjoyment not necessarily in the playing with it, but the building it definitely. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of the uh, the trilogy, uh, the original trilogies earlier, um, and much like the demolition of Alderaan, Tara wanted to know if we stopped laughing at Man United getting hammered on Sunday um, because she hasn't. Um, outside of the film world, it was pretty spectacular to watch them get battered, even though it was Liverpool, which kind of defeats the point because I hate them too. Mm. Yeah, like Man United are the lesser of two evils for me. I always quite enjoyed watching Man United, even if they were all conquering. Whereas I've never liked Liverpool, so it's really difficult to enjoy them ever winning. Yeah, I get that. I do get that. Um, my dad was sulking for... He said he was ill, but he was effectively sulking for a whole two days. <laughs> as a 65-year-old. <laughs> Um, and uh, Paul Litchfield or Mr. P. Litchfield uh, at Twitter wants to know and I'm going to need some explanation on this because I hate to play this card but I've got a fucking clue what he's talking about here um, <laughs> can you explain why the horses from Dogtanian and the three Musker Hounds never Dog evolved Dogtanian sorry Stu 
Never evolved to stand up, wear clothes, and speak. Every other fucking animal managed it. What in Christ's hot cock was going on? <laughs> <laughs> so give me some context. Dogtanian was the story of D'Artagnan and the Three Musketeers told with dogs, effectively. Okay. And it was an animated series in the mid to late 80s, I think, possibly even early 90s. Um, like, I remember loving it, but I haven't seen it since it used to be on, like, BBC or ITV, whatever it was on back in the day. Um, yeah, it, it was great, but at the same time, I don't know if it's aged really badly. Part of me thinks it may have done. Yeah. It was one of them, all for one and one for all. Uh, that and then that's yeah, the and yeah yeah exactly you get in your head and then then that's it for the rest of the night now done but yeah. this does have like the element of the war of the planet of the apes about it again <laughs> where like the apes were riding horses which i always thought was a really weird visual in itself <laughs> yeah. um, maybe it's those damn stupid horses that are the problem a lot a lot of that series made no real sense at all um but at least at least apes are clever i mean dogs and <laughs> Dogs are probably of the same kind of level as horses, really. They're just big, they're just smaller. But do you know this what? Is, this is re- way too complicated than it should be. <laughs> I learned a really interesting fact the other day that uh, wolves, the animal, not the club, um, are more closely genetically linked to cats than they are dogs. Can you believe really? it? Really? I yeah, thought the dogs were direct no, descendants they're, of wolves. They're closer to cats. And I didn't believe it, but the award-winning Longleat app, as you go around Longleat, will like detect your location <laughs> on the safari as you're driving around and give you like fucking random stats. And like there was a quiz bit where we go through the walls, and mm. I was like, and I was like, as <laughs> Sam was, I was driving. Sam read it. Actually, goes, uh, wolves are more likely, uh, more directly linked to. Before she'd even give me the options, I went dogs. <laughs> and she's she like, nope, they're cats, and then started to explain it. So, if I'm wrong, blame the award winning Longleat Safari Park app. However, I've got no reason to dispute it. That's fascinating. Is that uh, all the questions? It is all the questions for this week. Thank you very much for getting uh, in touch, everybody. You ask it, we answer it, no matter, as you can clearly tell by what, Dog Tanyan? Dog Tanyan? Yeah. Dog Tanyan. Dog Tanyan. You'll need to get onto YouTube, Matt, and check it out. Need is um, a subjective word here, but yes. You don't start work <laughs> till late tomorrow, so that, that's your breakfast uh, breakfast yeah, viewing. Sure. Yeah. Insert, insert theme tune here. <laughs> right, okay. Thank you for getting in contact. Moving on to the Hot Take Corner. 12 months on from the slap incident, uh, Chris Rock broaches the subject on his latest Netflix special which has gained both plaudits and criticism for quite how vociferous he was. Um, and Will Smith's star has never really been lower than it has now, even though he actually won a fucking Oscar that night. Is there a legacy to the slap, Matt? I don't... I think there is a legacy in in pop culture in that you still see TikToks of not the actual video itself but people just using the audio and stitching it in but that that is tiktok in essence isn't it it's like content creation mm. through you know using other video or audio um it's it's damaged will smith's legacy i think but i think we said at the time that it would be two or three years before we get his big redemption 
and his his you know his rise back and it being an A and E special or something like that in America or him him going on a talk show and him having the redemption arc that would be ridiculous really. But mm. um, I don't think like anybody cares really now yeah. about it. And you know, scandals go come and go so quickly. At, you know, in this world that. I think the only thing that will really make a blind bit of difference is when he has his next big flop and people will just go back to that incident. Um, but in pop culture, there's definitely still a feeling of it in terms of people are still using the audio and making funny little 30 second clips of it. Yeah, it's still mm. quite the meme, isn't it? Mm. Well, that's what it is. It's a meme now. <laughs> it's more a take insert name of whoever you angry at name out of your mouth mm. at all so it's that's all it is now and i say at the time i don't care anyway <laughs> the whole thing was ridiculous the whole the whole ceremony is stupid anyway said it for many many years in a row but I'm, I'm annoyed that was that is that out now that documentary yeah, out now? yeah oh is it a stand-up it's his stand up, yeah. It's um, it is out now, yeah. I can't remember what it's called, but yeah, it is out now. Oh damn! I, was, <laughs> I knew it was coming out soon. I was, I, I was expecting completely lost track of time. Um, yeah, I, I'd until you mentioned this, I hadn't thought about it for ages. Mm. Even seeing the memes come up all the time, the actual act itself and her being a massive influence on everything all the time. Just died of death after about two months. <laughs> no one talks about it anymore. And that's how they, they're just waiting for something else to happen, some other scandal to happen, and then it's all forgotten about. And I just, as Will, Will Smith is bound to have a new film out soon, we'll see what happens then. But no, for me, it's, it's gone. They'll be just waiting for the next nonsense to happen. Yeah, I, I completely agree, really. Uh, the show is called Selective Outrage, by the way, um, the Chris Rock show. I, I agree. Like it's, It doesn't feel like it's in anyone anyone's conscious, but at the same time, we haven't really seen Will go on his I'm an Oscar winner tour and here's some big films and that Oscar winners generally try and do, sometimes successfully, sometimes less so. But we haven't seen that from him. Um, and he feels almost like the forgotten winner, even though it's only 12 months later. But I do wonder how much of that is the studios uh, making him pay his dues almost again. Because it's not just Will Smith who embarrassed himself by slapping Chris Rock. He was there for King Richard. He was there for the studio. The studio put a lot of money into him, you know, the publicity in order to win that Oscar. So part of me wonders how much he has to repay the studios before he'll get given his big shiny comeback where he's, you know, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air once again and everyone loves him and has forgotten the silliness. But yeah, I, I don't think there'll be much of a legacy long term. It just feels like they needed to get Chris Rock's side of the story out and Will Smith will be fine in, you know, as you say, a couple of years, Matt, once he's done his apology and he's cried on TV again. <sighs> Probably not for... Jada cooking him, but that's another story. <laughs> but yeah, there we go. All right, moving on to the non-film question this week, which is mine. Can sport 
be an art steward. 100%. It's a... I don't know how you how you can categorize it, but if you take it as something like hmm, I don't know, say say like what happened at Arsenal, Arsenal Bournemouth at the weekend. Mm-hmm. If you, you, you if you boil down, take the football away from it all, the scenarios and what happened. And just show that to someone who didn't watch the game, in like a kind of like a drive to survive or an all all or nothing documentary style kind of thing. If you show someone who doesn't really care about it and say, "Watch this," there's no way that's not going to have any kind of emotional impact on them. Even if they don't care, just the, just the sheer joy of everyone and people losing their minds completely. If it's getting a if it's getting a reaction out of you. Then surely it's art. It doesn't. It, it's if you can have performative art, which is and performative dance, which is just bollocks and throwing your arms around. Then why can't something that's not scripted, that can be then recorded a- and then watched afterwards? Surely that's the same thing. So football is interpretive dance. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. When it's recorded and played back to people who don't know. It. Matt, do you agree? Is is sport art? I think sport is. I don't think it's a question. Can sport be art? I think sport is art, and the reason is, is well, there's a few reasons. Break break art down into its definitive components: technological or um, a visual element to it. So, you know, a great painting is a great painting because it's broke the boundaries of what painters do and technique sport WWE, for example, sports entertainment, but sport nonetheless. And, you know, football and everybody else has it, 8k cameras and stuff like that. And breaks the, breaks the glass ceiling of technology. And it is innovative in terms of what it's use of technology and the visual element of it does that just as well as any film. It brings it into your own home, 3d, I remember 3D football being around before 3D films were around. Do you know what I mean? Like it's always it's always on the periphery and always there in the in in the forefront of innovation. So there's one thing that art does, sport does. Storytelling is the next thing. Art is about creating great stories, and there are just there's just unbelievable amounts of great stories in in sport, whether that be good, bad villains. To, you know the rise and the fall and the rise again and the fall again of Tiger Woods. What a story. Do you know what I mean? There's, 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 there's great stories in terms of, you know, people that have gone on to do sport and then done terrible things and have been proper rotters, but that's art. If that was in a film, a completely dramatized film, you know, it'd win an Oscar. Do you know what I mean? Mm. But these are happening in real life. And then these are things. And then what else does art do? It creates emotion as Stu said. And, I would say that when sport people feel more passionately about their sports team than people feel passionately, the majority of people feel passionately about a TV show or a franchise that they're into. But don't get me wrong. You'll have people then that take it that bit more extreme and they dedicate their lives to Comic-Con and all that kind of stuff. No problem with that in the world. If you earn your money, you've got the right to spend it however you want to do it. 
But I think, generally speaking, the vast majority of people enjoy sport emotionally more than they enjoy most forms of art. They feel a, a real sense of connection and like relevancy to it. So I think I don't think it's a question of can sport be art. I, f- I think it's a question of it's a statement. Sport is art. Mm. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah. It almost makes you question how the, the people who don't care about any kind of sport at all um, where the where the kicks coming from? <laughs> I mean, I know we had, we had many of them, but when they do come, <laughs> like beating Spurs for Matt there, um, that you know you don't get that release from anything else. You don't get that rush from I mean, obviously if if horror films is your thing and you go to watch a horror film every week and surely that's going to be dilated, diluted and whatever eventually. Where even jump scares don't do it for you. I mean, you'll still get that adrenal rush, but if that's your thing, then that's your thing. But none, you've got no interest in any sport at all, then people are weird to me. <laughs> so they've got no soul. Yeah, I do sort of agree. Like, it's, as you say, it's like the most interesting storytelling that you can have in most forms of media. Like it's a thirty-eight. If we're talking specifically about football, obviously, it's a thirty-eight match story unfolding across two-hour increments each, almost each week. It's incredible. There's no drama like it. Even like you know your Breaking Bad's and everything, which were just monumental. But at the same time, football can be as good as that. And I'm sure other sports are for people who love tennis or basketball or, or whatever it is that you're into. And I also think that on the individual level, each footballer, each sports person in their own right, they are an artist because it, that is how they express themselves. And I think any form of self-expressionism is art. So ultimately, you know, Ruben Neves is Picasso in, at the end of the day for me. like that, that is his medium, obviously, his, is his right foot rather than a paintbrush. But yeah. I completely agree. I think we're getting a more of an acceptance of that in the film world, though, now, because of the stuff that, like, Asif Kapadi has done with, like, Senna and uh, the Diego Maradona mm. film and then Drive to Survive and Full Swing and All or Nothing and stuff like that. I think, Pete, I think the, the gap has been bridged somewhat between the two. Anyway, mm. film, TV, and and sport. Anyway, which I think is only a good thing. So I think we're on the right lines with it now going forward. Super, lovely. Right, next question: What have you been watching lately, Matt? Well, I haven't really. In terms of <laughs> um, TV shows and stuff, I've been that busy with work. Um, I haven't had a chance to watch a fat lot. What I can tell you is Sam has been watching a program called Out of Banks, which has just been the absolute drizzling shits. <laughs> every time every time it's been on it's about this like there's a tr- it's a treasure hunt show which on the on the face of it sounds quite exciting but it's about like a, they live on an island but not like a lost island like a just a a weird community kind of island where there's really rich kids really poor kids who are like versus each other like some lord of the flies thing 
their parents don't ever seem to care about them and they're all far too attractive for people that are meant to be like 18 years old they're clearly like in their mid 20s <laughs> and, um, and it's just the worst and it's and like when you look at genre it's teen drama action adventure mystery thriller which you just know sounds awful um and it's just yeah i i've never really i like I, i've never watched it but she's had it on and she's binged it over the course of a few weeks but I mean, if you're into that kind of teen mystery drama, you'd probably love it, but go definitely not for me. What I have been playing is um, the controversial um, Atomic Heart because it, it's um, it's a controversial because it's been made by <clears throat> it's been made by like Russian developers, and there is at this point in the game, I've, I'm not that far into it, but it's a, it's very pro USSR and very pro Soviet, but I think it's all falling apart mm. in the game. In terms of he's finally understanding that it's not all roses um, behind the Iron Curtain, um, but it's actually been a really fun game. It's a spiritual successor to Bioshock. It's got all those elements of first-person shooter meets dystopian future with RPG elements to it, which what which is what made Bioshock so great. So I'm putting a lot of my time into that really at the minute. Um, it looks stunning. I'm just looking at the images oh, here. It looks visually, visually, it's great. Um, it should be of no shock to anybody as well that I've started Peep Show again. So, <laughs> um, but that's just those, those twenty minute hits in between eating your tea and having a chill out after work, isn't it? So, hmm. I um, like obviously we follow Matt King. It is Matt King, isn't it? Yeah. Super hands on on Twitter. He seems like the nicest dude in the world. Like he seems like a proper good person. So yeah. I, Fully recommend it, people follow him. He's he was like at some event the other day. He put on Twitter today, and he was just like, "I was just mobbed by like it was just Peep Show fans. Like it's, it's got such like an. I don't think it's like an underground legacy Peep Show because I think a lot of people have heard of it but just never seen it. Just know mm. the memes but don't mm. know the show, which is just bizarre, really. But if you've not seen it, you do owe yourself um, the chance to watch it because it is very good and it. The fact that it's now like, it's got to be close to like 15, 20 years old, series one. It looks awful, the first series. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, it, it's not, it doesn't lose anything by being so old in terms of like time. It doesn't, you know, it's not stranded in, in history kind of thing. Mm. 2003 was the first season. So 20 years ago. Good Lord. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Stu, have you ever seen Peep Show? Can't remember if you'd watched it. Yeah, yeah I watched it. I, I watched it on and off, like when, like it, when it was on. It was one of them. It was a weird time, wasn't it? Because it was when what we were in, not, not nineteen, twenty years old. It was never really in. It was it a Friday? It was on yeah. as well. Yeah. So, and in the era of Video Plus, remember that? Um, you know, Peter Kay now. Um, yeah, in, in the era of Video Plus, and then Sky Plus later on. It, it was just kind of. It was one that just fell by the way. So obviously, when we had a certain uh, person on here in the early days, then I w went back and watched a couple of episodes just to refresh myself. And yeah, it's fine. It, um, I don't know if it would work now if you didn't watch it then. Mm. Not so much the references, just that. See, they're not exactly like talking about Boris Yeltsin or anything like that, but it, it's <laughs> uh, just the the way that they are. And obviously, the are we the villains and that kind of stuff? But I don't know how well it would work if you hadn't. I mean, I might try. So the, the advantage of children, experiment on them. Um, 
Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's fine. It's no bottom though. I do love bottom, to be fair. But I feel like that's probably a very specific age as well. Mm. Like I bet if you weren't around for bottom watching it now, you probably wouldn't chime with it half as much as someone who was. I think that about like shooting stars and stuff like that. I think if you used to put Fucking shooting hell. stars on and Vic and Bob now, like love to, shooting stars. Like yeah. if you put it to an audience that didn't know them and didn't watch it like at the time, they'd think, Fucking hell, this is awful. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, yeah, to... they're so like when it comes to stand up comedy, they're so far out of the box that yeah, I don't think your average Viewer now is probably going to quite get what Vic Reeves is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Stu, what have you been watching anyway, mate? Um, well, saying experimenting on kids. Um, we watch because of Scream Six being out soon. Maybe, maybe next week. Um, Today is it? Oh fuck! Oh, yeah, sake. they're doing a double header at uh, Cineworld. Scream Five running into Scream Six. Oh, I'll have to hurry this up then. <laughs> but, yeah, so I mean, obviously, I watched I watched the first one last year or two years ago before Screen Five came out. Um, this because it had been a while anyway, and I don't know where how we got on to the subject. But Ethan said, "Oh, I want to watch that." And, okay, and then I thought, "Hmm, what rating is it now? Has it been one of them where it's been downed? No, yeah, it's still at eighteen. Amazingly, it seems like it would probably be a twelve if it yeah. was released today. Like it feels quite almost yeah. childlike, doesn't it? Well, because and obviously there was there was reaction. Certainly, you can't watch it eighteen. I'm like, yeah, but you know what that film is. I watched that film, and then I worked it out. I watched it on video the year after it came out in the cinema. Obviously, in, as it came out in nineteen ninety six, I was only one year older than he is now. When I watched mm. that film, <laughs> and it, I thought, "Nah, this is <laughs> if if everything else in the world don't make you feel old, this certainly does." <laughs> but he's watching Scream Two tonight. <laughs> I love Scream Two. Got right, honey. Um, yeah, I finished. Like Matt mentioned, then full swing again. <laughs> Never cared about golf in my life. Now I've got an inkling to watch the Open and the PGA Tour. <laughs> Other than playing the games and stuff, I never really understood it, how, how it all worked. And But that's done exactly what drives us avoided for F1 around the world. Mm-hmm. So it's one, and yet again, it's an art form because it's telling stories. And that's what it's all about. Um, there's a couple of other things. Oh, yeah, Mandalorian, obviously. And then today, <laughs> I spent on the old uh, on the old service just to see what new releases have been put on there. The Devil Conspiracy. Um, I've seen this advertising. I think you put it in the group, didn't you, Matt? This one. Yeah, yeah, the one about the the shroud, and you get the DNA off the shroud or something. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, when they, when you cloning people, cloning Michelangelo, Michelangelo Galileo for tens of millions of dollars, and then you clone Jesus Christ. And <laughs> it's it's not even terrible. <laughs> it's a Aaron fifty, but after that nonsense film that Pricey made you watch, 
where nothing happens for half an hour. In the rink, yeah. I thought, is it going to be one of these? And I, I won't go outside because of the, the snow and everything. I thought, oh, sorry, I'm gonna, I'm just going to jump in blind. It looks ridiculous. There's the guy, there's a guy in there who was in Spartacus, so that's enough for me. It was shit, obviously, but it was incredibly entertaining. <laughs> and I, I actually think that you'll really like it if, if you if you give it a go tomorrow. Okay, let's put it on. I think because <laughs> even. The CG's not that bad either. It's not like we're not talking like asylum levels. It's one up from that. There's like this this B tier netherworld now of of terrible like B films mm. that have got really good CG. I mean, some's bad, but on the whole, it's pretty good. <laughs> but it was it was entertaining silliness, and I thought, well, no, I'm not, I'm not going to watch something sensible, and I'm not going to play anything yet. Um, so I thought, yeah. I've watched Scream, I've watched some Netflix stuff, I'm going to watch something like this. And I wasn't disappointed. And that's all you can ask for. Excellent. Uh, for myself, much like Matt, I haven't actually watched a lot in the last fortnight. Um, I was going to have a break from the God of War series and I put on, what's it called, the latest Batman game, the Gotham Knights and it's awful. Like it's mm-hmm. so fucking clunky and just ugly to move around. It 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 doesn't as a game. Like there's no flow to it or anything. It's horrible to play. Really not enjoying it. So I gave up pretty quick and went back to God of War because <laughs> at least I know I'm enjoying that one. Um, so yeah, that that's mine has been mostly been like just playing bits of games and trying to find something to do. Um, I did find a couple of films. I watched. Marcel the Shell with Shoes On, which is one of the films nominated <laughs> for uh, Best Animated Film at the uh, this year's Oscars. I've pretty much given up on the Oscar challenge. I've got down, I need to watch All Quiet on the Western Front and Avatar 3, 2, sorry. And honestly, I've just got no fucking interest in watching either of those films. So I think I've just given up on it. But I did want to watch this one, so I gave it a go. And it's the sweetest, weirdest little thing you've ever seen. It looks like it's filmed against like real world. And they I don't know if they've animated it or if it's stop motion or quite what it is. But it is literally a like a one inch high talking shell who's wearing shoes and has got one eye and he's looking after his gran in this massive it's a human-sized house that's like an airbnb and there's him and his gran who are just these tiny little shells and then he wants to find his family and it's all about accepting the world and everything and it's so fucking sweet it's lovely i i really enjoyed it it's like a solid it's got 7.7 on uh, imdb it's got really good reviews everywhere i think it's got a really good chance of winning the oscar from everything i've been hearing about it um, on the other end of the film scale, the only other film that I've watched in the last fortnight is something called Ski School, which is a film from 1990. You know how we joke about 80s boob on this? This had proper 90s boob. Like they were all massive fake tits that were like rock hard. And, yeah. and it was just like all throughout the film. And you know that trope where there's a two people at the end of the film, they have to have a race down Suicide Mountain in order to win the, the ski school in this one. I think this might be the film where that trope originated from. It's 
absolutely horrendous, but I did enjoy myself watching it. So, yeah, two thumbs up for that one. I would thoroughly recommend it. Well, Fire Ice and Dynamite had one like that, and that was 1990 as well. There you go. It must have been the 90s that introduced the uh, the, the, the wind, the, the ski, mountain nonsense. It's It's got to be wacky races, eh? That's, that's all it comes back to. Effectively, that's all it is, isn't it? It's just yeah. live-action cartoon nonsense. <laughs> yeah. Right, Stu, your question's up next, please. Yeah, I mean, this this came from um, last week when we were talking about the uh, the crudes and like when obviously we promoting the show and stuff from last week. And I, I mentioned like there was a few people at work asking me what it was about and stuff. I went, yeah, we were talking about the crudes. Some had never heard of it, obviously the, the youngsters, um, <laughs> and then a few who had they went, oh well, it's only a silly animated film, eh? And I went, well, what's that got to do with it? And I thought, well, hang on a minute. If, if you've got people like this, and then I know there's people who hate horror films, obviously people who are scared. And I know, and like we've said, the weirdos who don't like sport. So what is the most disrespected genre of film out there? Matthew. Um, it's a tough one, this. I lean more to, to TV on this, and I went really specific in terms of sport. And I'm I'm batting for wrestling here. The wrestling, <laughs> the wrestling film and TV medium is is sorely needing um, a shot in the arm because of people being too prim and proper to give it a decent chance. And then, from a wrestling fan's point of view, they're only interested in one thing. So you got Dark Side of the Ring at the moment and various documentaries that um, are really great in terms of its, you know, if you're in, if you're into that world, you probably know these stories anyway, but it just focuses on the absolute negative. But the TV show-wise, even though there are great stories to be told, Glow got cancelled. Glow was brilliant. Mm. You've got um, he, uh, Heels, which is been renewed, but nothing's happened for years with that now. And you've not got much else in between, really, in terms of like fictional TV wrestling. You had The Wrestler, which everybody loved, but there's just so many stories to be told there in regards to wrestling in terms of, you know, you had Fighting With My Family, brilliant. No one's seen it. You know what I mean? No one cares mm. for it. Great story. Young Rock is awful. I've come to the conclusion. I'm near the end, like I'm near the end of what we've got so far mm. because... It's a, it's not appealing to wrestling fans. It's appealing to casual fans that want to learn about that story. But it's just done so badly. The, so the wrestling genre is disrespected in that no one is willing to give it a decent chance and make and make quite you know this. It's so carnival uh, elements of it. There's so many good stories that can be told there, but. I think people have focused on, and maybe this is the WWE thing and the fact that they're the biggest thing going, and I'm a WWE guy. Maybe people are so focused on that side of it, they're not willing to tell the stories of like the the, the seedy underbelly fictionally or the other stories that can be told. And all we get is the kind of really sanitized versions of it. And then when, the, when, when products do go out there and do good things like Glow and everything else, it just gets the rug gets pulled from underneath it. So yeah, the wrestling world is disrespected in film and TV, I think. 
I completely agree with that. I think that's a great point. Um, th- there is that element of, like, you know, as a wrestling fan, you have to defend, like, in wrestling. Like, in no other fucking sport or TV show that you can watch would you have to answer the questions, oh, you know, it's fake. No, <laughs> Breaking Bad was real. Like, Game of Thrones actually happened. You wouldn't have to fucking defend it, but you do in wrestling. And and I think that is a big part of why it gets disrespected. But yeah, mm. uh, my answer, like th- there is a very obvious answer, but I was going to stay clear of that one. Anything that seems to be female led just seems to be completely batted off as a chick flick. Like it gets utter disrespect. Like there's some really fucking good comedies that would be just quote unquote chick flicks. Like Legally Blonde was a really funny film that had that had a male protagonist, it would probably be a lot more socially acceptable to like. Clueless, same, really good, funny film. Miss Congeniality was excellent. Uh, mean Girls, Bridesmaids, great films that don't get the love they deserve because they're predominantly female-led. Whether or not they assume that those films are just for women, like, it just seems like it smacks of... Oh, what's the word? There's just some sort of arrogance towards... Like a Twilight, for example. I don't like it. It's not my cup of tea. However, they're very good at the audience that they go for. And they do get quite unfairly judged on that basis, I believe. You don't have to like every film that goes out there. But I do think that a lot of people prejudge films if there's a female protagonist in it. Like the Ghostbusters films. That was hated before it was even released. But it was shit. It was okay. The, pro- the only issue with the Ghostbusters film that I really had was that it wasn't Ghostbusters. If that was another film with a different title that didn't have the history, it would have been acceptable. It would have just been popcorn fodder. But the problem is with a female-led film, it can't just be okay. It has to be great in order to like break through to a more uh, to a wider audience. I think. You know that if that. <laughs> That's a good, good point, actually. If they'd made it a spoof of Ghostbusters, it would have been class. Yeah. But that's not what it was. <laughs> yeah. And so it was rubbish. But Yeah. By, by one... tying it into the original, they spoiled what could have been. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then ones that you mentioned, they are almost their own victim, victim of their own circumstance as well, because you look at the box art of all of them films, Legally Blonde, Mean Girls... They all—they're all white backgrounds with pink writing, or <laughs> it's all—you know what I mean. Every single one is exactly the same as each other, mm. and you look at them in. Let's say you look at them in choices. What am I talking about? Um, but you look at—you you don't even get posters anymore. But you know what I mean. You—you you see them; they'll be grouped together for that reason because they all look the same, and. Maybe it was a, a product of the time that you, if they'd put it in like purple or blue or something else, it wouldn't have worked because you want to get the get the birds in first and then then by proxy get the the men folk afterwards and then it gets a, a following like Mean Girls did. Mm. But yeah, like f- Full Monty, yellow, blue writing. Everyone loves a Full Monty. If that uh, think about it, if that had been the other way around, if that had been oh, some some fat go some fat guys from Sheffield stripping off, 
white with a white background with some pink or red and blue or red and white stripe lettering, it wouldn't have worked, especially in the nineties. I think that's that's Lad- kind of their own fault. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. I think that that really wouldn't have helped at that time within films. Mm, interesting. What was your answer, Stu? Well, mine was CG animation because <laughs> when I thought about it, I thought, yeah, people like the the um, Studio Ghibli stuff. I if you watch Ghibli, oh, you, it's highbrow, mm. and if and yeah. an, anime, you you're a bit cultured and all that kind of thing, and and even stuff like <laughs> if you, you go back to the, the old Disney stuff, oh yeah, it's a, it's a classic. It's like gone gone with the wind and like, wind in the willows and things like that. That's mm. a classic. That's I don't think that's Disney, is it? Um, but things like that, like classic animation. Oh, but you put computers in charge. Oh dear, no. Even Toy Story doesn't still doesn't get the love that it deserves. Even now, it does from film people and from millennials like people who grew up with it and mm. people who've got kids but if you go in the pub and start saying oh yeah i watched toy story last night you're gonna get destroyed <laughs> if you go in the pub and say oh yeah i watched um, my friend Tyro, oh wonderful art oh, it's best it's all bollocks but <laughs> cg animated films are the like the bastardization of uh, what's acceptable. Are there, are there many people in the Tiger Studio that's watched anime and manga and, and that? You'd be very surprised. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Right, my question's up next. So uh, one film that I, I did watch just before we recorded our last podcast was the number 23. Like, I love Jim Carrey, and this is one... Actually, we had that question last week where it was, what's the longest you've waited to see a film? The number 23 might be one. I remember wanting to see it at the cinema, never got around to it, and then watched it for a, a podcast that I listened to. And it is an absolute fucking stinker of a film. <laughs> the, the person who wrote the names for it, Topsy Kretz, and, and it's supposed to be that he's hidden top secrets in his book that he's written. Sirius Lee is another character. It's <laughs> fucking awful. Robin Sparrow is the daughter's name, I think he was. Anyway, that's that's not the question. Um, I want to know, what is the best film centred around conspiracies? Uh, it can be a real conspiracy, it can be an in-film conspiracy, whatever you want. But what's the best film about conspiracies? Matt? Um, it, was a t- it was a tough one, this, because... You've got personal enjoyment, and then you've got actual good filmmaking. <laughs> um, so, personal enjoyment and good filmmaking would be would be they live, obviously, because the story of who's really controlling us and how do we identify mm. it, and things aren't as they seem, is obviously conspiracy theory at its most pure form. And then you've got all the elements of why you'd love it in the first place because it's got bloody Roddy Piper in there. Um, <laughs> but Angels and Demons, not particularly a great film, <laughs> not particularly great source material either. Um, the Dan Brown books are much hated for being absolute drivel. I have read them all. Um, but there's just something about those films that like 
it's a cons- like it should be it should be celebrated in itself that you can have a conspiracy theory film that you can switch off from and you've missed absolutely nothing. <laughs> like, that, you, that you can watch Hungover and still enjoy it for being a conspiracy theory film. So um, for that reason, I'll give Angels and Demons the gong. Incredible. <laughs> I've seen... Oh, the Da Vinci fuck. Code. No, I fell asleep halfway through The Da Vinci Code. I have read that book. I figured out the twist really early and I was furious. Um, what was the last one they did with Felicity Jones? Uh, they've done the Deception one yet. Um, I don't think it was Deception. Oh, I can't remember what I it's called. I can't fucking now. remember. It was so bad. Got dragged to the cinema to see it. So I was furious. It was not a good film. I feel like it's like I, I, I never said it, but... I, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I never said it was a good film. I want to put that on record. It's <laughs> <laughs> just so that, let the audience know that. Fair. Stu, you're a bit of a conspiracy nut, so I feel like we could be here all night listing some of your favourites. What's the best one? Well, the, 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 the <laughs> there's a lot of them are true, of course. Um, the first thing that came to mind was the Bourne films. I mean, mm. the, the, that whole story is just great. And yeah. <laughs> not beyond the realms of possibility either. That's what happened with the, uh, that Russian spy a few years ago. Um <laughs> But now the, the the best one of watching, and it's an actual really good film as well. I mentioned it on here about eighteen months ago, a couple of years ago. Watch it in lockdown. Dark Waters with uh, Mark Ruffalo. Yeah, ba- based on the polluting of the waters by chemical plants. In true story, um, and him in, in fighting big chemical um, to try and I think it was his farm. Um, this far and the farmland and the, the local area. It sounds like the most dull thing in the world. It was actually re- really, really curious and well made. And him coming off playing a silly green man for quite a while to then going off and doing what is effectively a very small indie film was really good. So, yeah, Dark Waters. It's mm, a very serious answer from you. I'm quite surprised. It's a good film, though. Every now and again. Yeah, absolutely. My, answer, I wanted to say sorry to bother you was going to be my answer, but it's been a few years since I've seen it, and I need to watch it again because I don't remember all of it. But I just remember it was about uh, it's got Lakeith Stanfield, who I think is a fantastic actor, and he plays a guy who starts working for telemarketing. And whenever he calls people up, no one will speak to him because he's a black man and he has a black voice. So he starts putting on a white voice in order to sell stuff to people because it makes him more oh yeah 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 i remember that and it's the fucking wildest sci-fi conspiracy thing i've ever seen that starts off the most mundane movie you've ever heard of it ends up with like horse people and stuff in it it's (laughs) fucking off the wall mad it's brilliant but i haven't seen it for about five years so i need to refresh my memory on it so the one that i remember best would be the only conspiracy theory I think is probably true, and that's Bubba Hotep, because Elvis isn't dead. <laughs> he retired. He lives in a nursing home. The man who took over from Elvis, he's the one who died. He died on the shitter. The real king would never do a death that uncool. But yeah, Bubba Hotep, it's the conspiracy theory that Elvis didn't die. He traded places with an Elvis impersonator. Their lives went separate ways. The old Elvis, played by Bruce Campbell, now lives in a retirement home. 
and there is a zombie stalking the halls of this retirement home. Uh, the zombie is wearing cowboy boots, which is why they call him Bubba Hotep. There's a really horrible scene where the nurse wanks off Elvis and where a <laughs> bug tries to crawl up his arse and he's fighting off the uh, the zombie with his best friend, John F. Kennedy, who is an old black man because they painted his skin when they killed him because how best to hide him than in plain sight. It's ridiculous, but it's such a great B-movie. It's one of my absolute favourite films that I've ever seen. So, yeah, I think, I think I've got to go with that as the best conspiracy movie Matt your question's up next please I want to know the best and worst films with a country in its title Andy I've got a couple because I I wasn't quite sure if I could get away with saying no country for old men oh Mm. fuck that was mine (laughs) like no country for old men is an absolute wonderful film with one of the best villains in cinema history he barely speaks throughout the whole film but you absolutely would be terrified of him because of the presence that he holds on screen it's wonderful Anton Chigurh I believe is the character's name um I forget the name of the guy who actually plays him off the top of my head but yeah just a great film I'm a big fan of the Coen brothers so that would be right up there for me um the answer that I was going to give if you wouldn't accept No Country for Old Men is coming to America. I love Eddie Murphy, especially like 80s Eddie Murphy. He's the best Eddie Murphy. This was on just before Christmas time, and I think it was on after Match of the Day, and you know how late that shit ends. Mm-hmm. And I stopped up and watched the whole film because I love it. The worst one is coming to America with the number <laughs> two replacing the two. It was just absolute dog shit. For everything that was great about the original, this was just a million miles off. Like the jokes about a man out of his world didn't quite work as well when it was the shoe on the other foot. So it was an American going to the fictitious African country. And it it wasn't funny. It was everything that Eddie Murphy did post probably 2000, where he's just not really that good a comedic actor anymore. It feels like time has passed him by. And this is the epitome of like later stage Eddie Murphy. So coming mm. to America would be the the dirt worst one for me. Fair enough. Mine um, would have been there's two for my for my best. One that I think has gone under the radar massively, but American Psycho for me is just up there. One of the but one of the best Christian Bale performances anyway. Mm. Probably his best. But in terms of like how it's it's had an impact culturally as well like we talked about the memes of will smith and stuff earlier like american psycho has been used so much over the years in terms of uh, its cultural impact um it's such a great violent bloody film that i just think you can watch it as a comedy you can watch it as a slasher you can watch it as anything you want it to be american psycho it's it's brilliant the book was a fucking challenge like i did not enjoy reading the book I just didn't get on with it at all. Mm. Um, I also want, so it's not a purely American sweep, this. Um, Give props to The Last King of Scotland. Um, I really enjoyed that film. Um, Mm. And it was a story that I just knew nothing about as well going into it. Really culturally ignorant of me. But I knew knew nothing about um, the story. And, you know, I'm not a huge, I can't say I'm particularly a massive McAvoy fan, if I'm honest Mm. with you, but... 
I don't dislike him, but he's just not an actor that like he's not a he's not a he's not a headliner for me. Like I wouldn't go out of my way to see a, a McAvoy film if he was the lead. Um, but I really like the Last King of Scotland. I think it was brilliant. Um, the worst for me is anything. I was going to say something that I really would boil, uh, boil Stu's piss, but I'm not going to. In case he has it as his favourite, and I don't want to be ruined twice. Um, <laughs> what he's going to pick, but uh, anything American Pie after the first one can can go back to the sea because they're awful. The, the American Pie isn't a good film, really. Reun- reunion is reunion's good. Mm, I like I'm the second sure one. I'm not sure it is. Um, I don't even think American Pie is that good a film. If I want to see it, I'd much rather watch the Inbetweeners movie. If I'm brutally <laughs> honest with you, um, but anything after that one can 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 it can do one. They're not they're not they're not good films really. And um, it's not me being fun police either because I I like the Inbetweeners stuff more. And I think that Superbad is a lot better that kind of film mm. than American Pie ever was. Um, I think well, what we can gain from today, for, if people didn't know, that you're the one who's not 40 this year. <laughs> well, that's true. That is true. Yeah. That is true. Stu, give me, give me yours, and then I can shit all over what I think is going to be your number one. Well, I did have No Country for Old Men because that film is superb. Um, my other one, <laughs> Team America, obviously. Mm, fair. Completely Absolutely. fair. Incredible. The fact that they got away with it then, let alone now, and they're still doing the same stuff. I mean, the stuff last last week on South Park about the Japanese toilet. It's just, they could have done that in any of the last 26 years, and it could have just been dropped dropped in, um, and it would have fit anywhere. You think, yeah, you you can do the topical stuff, but you can do the absolutely ridiculous nonsense at the same time. And it still works. And Team America, even now, after all this time, is probably more relevant now than it was when it came out. Um, and the worst... <sighs> the worst... I mean, it, it, I can't say country file, but that just... It, it makes me itch, that show. <laughs> and the, the, it's, it's, it's very nice and everything, looking at the little birds and things and... Or the wildlife, but it, it makes me have hay fever when I haven't had it for actually properly for years. Um, the worst is this is England. Sorry, what? <laughs> <laughs> Didn't like it. Never got it. Never got the show or the film. Nope. I don't feel bad at all about telling you how bad from Russia with love is now. <laughs> And how it's the and how it's absolutely dog shit. Yeah. <laughs> Chino chop. <laughs> it's yeah. When you watch it now, like the whole Rosa Kleb thing with the spike in the foot. <laughs> it's just trying to trying to kick him. It's it's ridiculous. That whole film is. I mean, the the gamer from from Russia we love when he's got a jetpack around Big Ben. It makes more sense than the actual film does if you watch, if you watch it now. But yeah, this is England. Hate them films. Further, it looks like a young Jordan Pickford's in it. Makes it even worse. The only, the only thing I did, the only thing I agree with you on about this is England is the latest spin-offs went mm. far too down the comedy route with it, didn't it? If I recall, that when they had um, 
him who's oh god what's his name he, his name escapes me he was in preacher and and um he was um the irish chap yeah yeah, preacher. yeah. i like, think he's a mank in real life isn't he yeah, the yeah. like the, the the latest show I've seen him in of the, of the This Is England franchise, like every clip I've seen, it was like a comedy sketch, and I'm, uh, that wasn't like the original ethos of it, was it? This Is England. Mm. Um, so I can understand it from that point of view, but no, I thought like This Is England was a masterpiece. Yes, it's wonderful. I'm, it's one of those films that makes me feel so fucking uncomfortable when I watch it. It's brilliant. But I am a big fan of Shane Meadows, like everything that he's done. I think he's wonderful, wonderful work. But this is why it doesn't make any sense because you'd think from that point of view, I'd hate Dead Man's Shoes, which obviously I don't. Mm. That's the piece as well. Just yeah, which is best. that film, great. This is in, maybe it's a whole nonsense and the fact that my cousin was kind of like that pretend skinhead kind of thing as well. That it's like, yeah, it, it just never, never vibe with me at all. It, it might be one of these where I'm going to get the hate, I know I am. But it's just—I'll go back to same country file just for this, just <laughs> just to calm people down. Well, I think I think the fans of that show are the more venomous and vicious in the anyways. Yeah. So you might you, you damned if you do, damned if you don't. <laughs> yeah, quite possibly. Stu, you need to watch a room for Romeo Brass, which I think was Paddy Considine and Shane Meadows' first collab, if I remember correctly, and Le Duncan Scorsese which might be their worst film together, but I did still enjoy it because it's them. But yeah, A Room for Romeo Brass. I'll, I'll check that out and um, let me know what you think, just to see if it's a Shane Meadows thing. Yeah, I, I, just looking at a, a, a Burnt Out Shop. Yeah, excellent. 99. Yeah, it's class. It's, it's great. I mean, I love Paddy Considine. I think he's, he's one of my favourite actors. I think he's brilliant. Well, yeah, I know people, people actually know who he is now as well. Yeah. Obviously, yeah, he's made it to the big time now. He's done a bit of TV work. <laughs> right, okay, let's do a quick quiz. What I'll do, I'll, I'll ask you individually. We'll go back and forth on this one, I think. Right, the topic is 1991. Okay. <laughs> right. right, okay. Stuart. The music of which composer gives Julia Roberts the chills in Sleeping with the Enemy? Oh. <laughs> I'm starting with the hard questions on this one, to be fair. Tchaikovsky? I don't know. I've never seen it. It's not Tchaikovsky. Matt to steal? Uh, Beethoven. To be honest, it's Berlioz. Uh, Ber- Berlioz. I don't even know who the fuck that is. So, no, never would have got that one. <laughs> Matt, your question. In what rom-com does a doctor played by Michael J. Fox get stuck in a small town? No idea. Pass. Stu? 91. 1991. Michael J. Fox plays a doctor stuck in a small town. I mean, he's he's stuck in a small town in Back to the Future 3, in a way. (laughs) No. No idea. It is Doc Hollywood. No. No? Okay. I remember that one just the base. Number eight we've got here. Okay, so this is Stu. Who played King Ralph, an American slob who becomes the king of the UK? These things don't exist, do they? He's just made all this up. You don't know King Ralph? I know Ralph Little. That is it. 
I don't know King Ralph. What is King Ralph? An a, American slob who then becomes the king of the United Kingdom. Never I, heard of this in my entire life. Matt looks blank as well, so I don't <laughs> think you're going to steal, are you? Steal? I was two. I didn't. <laughs> I don't think I'd. I don't think I'd even stop shitting myself at this point. <laughs> like on a regular basis. So no, I'm definitely not going to steal. Dear me, it is John Goodman. I can't believe you don't know that shit. King Ralph. <sighs> yeah, I mean, I even went to the cinema to see that. Okay, Matt, don't let me down on this one. Which comedy film starred Rick Mayo as an imaginary friend? Mail is an imaginary friend. It's I, I always see the advert for this on Netflix. <laughs> he wears a green suit, if that helps at all. It really doesn't. No, Phoebe I, Cates I, is also in it. No, no, no. I'm going to annoy me now when you tell me. Yeah, I think you'll know the film. Stu yeah. to steal. Yeah, bogeys. Drop that credit. Of course. Oh, fucking hell, of course he is, yeah. Yeah. So, Stu's Steel's one. Right, okay, Stu's question. In what film are Christina Applegate and her siblings left alone all summer? This is a classic of that early 90s, especially with it being Christina Applegate, who would have been hot as shit because she was doing Married with Children. All summer, 91? That's too, that's late, isn't it? Ninety. Left alone all summer. Is this the? Is this the one with the bow tapes? Oh, I think it might. No, I don't think it is the one with the bow tapes. Mm. No, no, don't know. Matt, any idea? No idea, Matt. <laughs> I don't, I'm not sure. I don't, unless, <laughs> literally. I've no clue. Literally, haven't a clue. Embarrassingly, so. If I told you, don't tell mom the babysitter's dead. Have you ever heard of that? Nope. No, Stu, do you know that one? Mm, yeah, 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 yeah. That was the film. Not right, <laughs> Matt. Who played the detective trying to track down Thelma and Louise? Oh, fuck. Um, I I don't know. He's don't the know, original but... bad lieutenant. I don't know. I've got no, no. I don't think it's who I think it is. I don't think he's in it. Uh, no, pass. Who? Who do you think isn't Harvey Keitel in this? Yes, he is. Yeah, yeah. It's Harvey Keitel because I, I remember seeing it because of the Simpsons episode, and I remember like going back and like looking at the original Thelma and Louise um, on the back of it. Um, but I wasn't sure if that was the right one or not. But yeah, it's been like fucking forever since I've seen that. Yeah, same. To be fair, I, I probably wouldn't have got that. To be honest, again, not in white and pink. Acceptable film. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, <laughs> Stu. What horror remake culminates on a houseboat? Now, I think Matt might get this because of The Simpsons. Houseboat. Yeah, a remake 
a horror remake that culminates on a houseboat. And the only houseboats I could think of in the 90s was Rosie and Jim, and it ain't going to be that, is it? <laughs> it's not them, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. I'm not going to know the film, but I know the Simpsons episode you're talking about. Um, it's is, it side, is it Sideshow Bob one with the fucking eels? The electric eels? Yeah, it um, is. Oh, what I've got is pissing Cape Fear in my head. but It's, it's Cape Fear. Oh, is it? It's Cape, Cape Fear is the film. I thought they would have been. I thought Cape Fear was like way earlier than that. It, it's the remake. So there was one way back when, and then the Bob De Niro one that was remade in '91. Oh shit! Yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah, there you go. Right. Okay. So that was that was Stu's question. So Matt, who starred as the eponymous captain in Hook? <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I could see him. I could see his. I just. I could see him. Um, he's in one of your favourite films. He's in one of your favourite Tom Cruise films. Favourite Tom Cruise. Oh, it's Dustin Hoffman. <laughs> yep. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Stu, which film was based on the ninety on a nineteen sixty three assassination? Oliver Stone film. An assass- assassination in 1963. Well, JFK, I presume. It's JFK. <laughs> <laughs> also conspiracy theory. Could have had that earlier. Yeah, very good point. Right, and the last question is actually quite fitting for you, Matt. Morticia, Gomez, Uncle Festa, Wednesday and Pugsley were more commonly known as who? The Adams Family. There you go. There we go. Wonderful. Those hard questions are fucking impossible, aren't they? In these quiz books, they're ridiculous. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I do not like them. No, we'll move to some later years down the line. Although the other choice was going to be Meryl Streep films, which I'm not sure would have been any better. The Devil. I was going to say, is she in The Devil Wears Prada? Yeah. Yes, she is. (laughs) And that doesn't appear to be on the list of answers. You've never seen Death Becomes Her? I've seen that one. Um, With, um, Bruce Willis. Goldie Horn. I've seen, I've seen it. I saw something on Twitter about that the other day. People were saying, like, realising how sexy the posters were for it, like, years and years on. Because they're all, they're, all, they're all dressed in, like, ball gowns, aren't they? And stuff like that. Yeah, they're yeah. effectively swingers, are they? I think, to be honest, I, can't, I saw it at the cinema and I don't think I've seen it since. So it's going back some time. Lovely. Right. Well done, Matt. I'm winning the quiz this week. He did have much easier questions than me, that, to be fair. Dustin Hoffman, Harvey Keitel. Kate Fear. Yeah, he did get a couple of easy ones, but in fairness, shoot, he wasn't out of nappies at that point. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, come see, come saw. I think that's fair. <laughs> Right, anyway, next week we're watching Leaving Las Vegas, uh, the Nick Cage Oscar-winning turn. Um, Because it's the Oscars, we thought actually it's probably the right time to do that one. Um, Make sure you've got us on Twitter, at CageFightingPod, and all the other socials, it's the same handle. Emails to CageFightingPod at gmail.com. Please make sure you're subscribed on whatever podcatcher that you're listening to us on now. And please leave us a review. It really helps us and helps other folks find us in the algorithms. 
Finally, thank you very much for your time this week. It is much appreciated. So for this week, Matt, would you like to say goodbye? Take it easy, everybody. Have a great week. Watch The Crudes because it's amazing. I've watched it for the second time now in about five <laughs> days. And uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a lovely film. Goodbye. <laughs> What did your good lady wife think of the cruise when she watched it? <laughs> you know what? Um, so she she's guilty as as are we all of just playing on your phone like when you're just watching a film. And I'd kept going, "You're missing a good bit here." <laughs> and um, but when when the, when the credits rolled, she went, "This is high praise for her as well." She was like, "That was a nice film," <laughs> which to her is the equivalent of like a thousand word article from yeah. like Mark Commode. For like, <laughs> Um, so yeah, she she really enjoyed it. To be fair, so six stars in the Tokyo Dome. Oh, in is. the Cow Palace as well. Yeah, wonderful. Stu, would you like to say goodbye? Yeah, I mean it'll, it'll be a spoiler for two weeks' time, but um, Unforgotten is back. The completely ignored, brilliant ITV show um, with Sanjeev Bhaskar and uh, Nicola Walker again, staples, uh, titans of the uh, British TV landscape. It's about That's um, the fourth one. Okay, it's series five. This is it's straight to ITV, straight to ITVX, all uh, all episodes, but then showed weekly on ITV One. Um, you, I could, hadn't even noticed it was back until my mom mentioned it. My mom, when she was babysitting on Monday, had it on. I went, "Oh, why are you watching this? Well, you've seen it. Oh, it's a new series. Went, what?" So I will get on that immediately. But yeah, it's it's excellent, really, really good. Well, try. What you need to get, Stu, is Ducky TV application for your laptop, and that will you can track all of the TV shows that you like, and then you won't have to miss anything like that. Ducky TV, great bit of uh, tech. Uh, it's goodbye from me anyway, and remember, be excellent Quack. to each other. <laughs> <laughs>